This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Talking Halo. This is Derek Ciapala with a quick preview. Well, actually, wants to be a much bigger preview for the Rangers series, a two-game set that's starting tonight. Check it out right away. We're going to hop into it. We're not going to play games. Here it is, Levi Weaver with the Athletic Fort Worth. All right, folks, I'm here with Levi Weaver from the Dallas-Fort Worth Athletic. He is the beat writer for them. He has done an outstanding job. Great baseball conversation last time we talked, and glad to have him back. One of my favorite folks to interview in the preview scene for, for our series. Levi, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's a, it's a wonderful day full of joy and cheer. There's a little bit of sarcasm there, but we can, it can, the way both of these teams have been going the last month or so, it's a little bit hard to be... Uh, energetic while watching the struggles but you know last week these two teams met and they had a a really really fun series especially if you're a rangers fan a lot of nice hitting a lot some really really bad pitching now we're heading back to california Uh, what's your take on this quick two game set um it's i'm glad i'm not on this trip because that is a weird and crazy travel schedule four in chicago then a day off between and then Two in Anaheim and then back to Texas. Um, as far as the schedule, I mean, that's probably a pretty good indication, actually, of of where we are in the season. And rather than go, oh, two game matchup. Here are the pitching matchups. I'm like, ugh, I'm glad I'm not doing that travel. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. I mean, both both teams, you know, they're both out of it and sort of playing out the string. It is. Uh, I, I think. This series, as much as any other series for the rest of the of the season, for Texas is just about sort of seeing these young guys, seeing what they've got, letting them kind of get some big league experience, and just sort of let the front office and the coaching staff get eyes on them and and see what they're capable of uh, in a you know small sample size, but a, a reasonably um, diverse sample size because the Rangers have some games against some teams that are not so great, and then also their September schedule is 
kind of tough. They've got the A's a couple of times. They've got Houston. They've got the Yankees twice. Um, what did I say there? I think the Rays and the Red Sox are also involved in there somewhere. So they've got some good challenges for these young guys to face to kind of see how they match up against big league competition. Well, and it's kind of the big thing. I think right now both the Rangers and Angels are mirroring each other a little bit. They're trying to figure out where these young guys fit. They know the season's pretty much a lost cause. They've both had struggles of late. It's going to be really interesting to watch, not tonight in terms of for the future, but tomorrow night's matchup. And that matchup has the Angels... Patrick Sandoval, rookie, a guy we didn't even expect to see this year up against Ariel Hirado. Did they say Hirado right? Yeah, that's correct. Outstanding. I got one right. I'm, I'm bad with names. I got one right. He's coming in 6 and 10, 548 ERA. Can you tell us a little bit about him and what do you think the team's plans are for him and what we should expect to see from him tomorrow night? Um, so, Hirado has been an interesting case study this, this year. He. Came up last year probably out of just necessity. Um, the Rangers, in fact, I think admitted that he really probably wasn't ready for the big leagues last year, but just because of trades and injury, like it, he he was called into action. He basically had one pitch. He had a, a sinker that was pretty good, and that was it. And as soon as the league figured out, like, oh, oh okay, so it's just going to be the sinker then, um, then, you know, they kind of teed off on him. This year, early, he came back. You could definitely tell that he had put in some work in the offseason. His his off-speed pitches were better. His curveball was better. Um, he's using a four-seam fastball as well to kind of just give the hitters a different look um, than just sinkers all the time. And he saw a little bit of success from that, but he's, he's definitely struggled a lot lately um, and has been very, very hit and miss. So if he's having a good game, if he is you know, getting guys out for the first couple of innings, then then he might go six or seven. Um, if he is struggling in the first inning, there's a chance he might not get out of the second. And there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of in-between. So what that tells me is that maybe it's a lot about his um, approach or maybe, you know, his ability to deal with adversity on the mound. And, and so I think for me, I would love to see uh, Harado maybe allow a couple of base runners in the first inning and then work around it. Or maybe there's an error in the second inning and he works around that. Like I would like to see him mentally be able to overcome those, uh, those things when they happen, because if he doesn't, you know, the Rangers have got some really good young starting pitching that could pass him by pretty quickly. You've got, you know, Brock Burke has been phenomenal in his two starts in the big leagues. He's gone, you know, six and then six and a third innings. He's given up a combined one run. Uh, hasn't walked anybody. Um, so that, I mean, he looks like he's going to be ready for the rotation next year. Joe Palumbo, if he can ever stay healthy, probably looks like he's going to be a good young starter. Johander Mendez is healthy now. He's in triple A. Um, you've got Taylor Hearn, who has missed a lot of this year with an elbow injury, but it's not going to be long in 2020 before he's there and ready to go. And then kind of after a year or two of those guys, you've got the next wave of guys. So it could be Cole Wynn, it could be Hans Kraus. You know, those guys could be arriving in late 2021 or 2022. So for Gerardo, I think he's kind of just trying to stay afloat and stay out of the bullpen. Um, this start, as much as any, I don't think it's any more or less important than any of the rest of the starts he'll make for the year. But I do think he is kind of, um, kind of he's, he's trying to just stay in the rotation, I think. Listen to you talk about where the Rangers are starting pitching wise. I'm just kind of thinking, looking back at the Angels here, and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, this is such a huge gap. Like, 
you're talking about three, four, five pitchers down the line who you think can be ready for next year to make a, a serious impact on the rotation. And look at the Angels starting lineup and starting pitching staff right now. And there's a lot of young guys who are all struggling across the board. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that same kind of optimism for the guys that we're trying to develop up. And here you have Urano who is at a 5-4-8 ERA. He's had his struggles, and he might not be in rotation next year by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, it's very possible that he won't be. Um, I mean, I think probably at the beginning of the year, depending on what the Rangers do in free agency, I think, um, you know, if Texas goes out and decides that next year is a year where they think they can contend and they're sort of thinking that this window of contention is opening, then then they, much like the Angels, are probably heavy in the bidding for Garrett Cole. And if that happens, then yeah, I mean, Gerardo probably doesn't make the rotation next year. Um, if the Angels, and I, I do think it will be the Angels um, that outbid the Rangers. If they don't get somebody like Garrett Cole, then I think maybe they lean into these young guys. And at that point, I think probably Gerardo is in the rotation while, you know, maybe Palumbo starts in AAA. Uh, Taylor Hearn, definitely, he had less than one inning in the big leagues this year before he hurt his elbow. So he will definitely start next season in the in the minor leagues. Gerardo is probably going to be there at the beginning of the year. But I think by the end of 2020 is really what he's hoping to show the, the organization right now is that he's somebody that can stay in there long term. And I, I do think some adjustments are going to have to be made for that to happen. And you know what, if he doesn't, if all of these other guys pan out and Ariel Harado is your, is in your bullpen, then that's, there are worse things. Like if, if that kid can just go out and throw that sinker for one inning at a time, it makes it a lot less likely that the other teams are going to figure out how to hit it. And I mean, I think he could absolutely be a very effective relief pitcher. Brings to mind on our side, Trevor Cahill, who bombed out of the rotation this year, went to the bullpen and, str- and struggled. And we really need a, a long relief guy. And he might be a long relief guy for you guys to feature. A guy who can get you one, two, maybe even three innings, depending on how those innings go. And for sure. That's, that's, that's an asset to have. And you mentioned Garrett Cole. What are the odds of the Rangers getting him? And it seems like the momentum we're all hearing is Angels, which to me means they won't get him. But, right. Um, that's how it usually goes, right? That's how it usually goes. But. That that matchup makes a lot of sense. Where are the Rangers playing to that? Um, yeah, it's funny you say that. Like it's the the guys that you hear about going to the Angels are usually not the ones that do it. And then all of a sudden they swoop in and get Shohei Otani. Um, yeah, I, I think the Rangers do. Uh, I I think they would like to add to their rotation. It's always the case in Texas that you can't have enough pitching. And um, holy cow, if Mike Miner and Lance Lynn are next year even. Uh, a semblance of what they were this year, then can you imagine adding Garrett Cole to that? That's that's a really good rotation as you start opening a window of contention. So I think Texas is going to be in the bidding. I think they're going to have the financial flexibility to do it because they're moving into a new stadium and they need to justify that cost by bringing in big crowds. And what better way to bring in big crowds than to go to the playoffs? Um, so I think I think they have the um, the go ahead from the from ownership to go ahead and make some investments um but there's really like after cole it kind of falls off as far as free agent pitching goes and so i think he picked a you know i say picked it was certainly not anything he did on purpose but i think he picked a good year to be a free agent pitcher because um yeah i think texas is in the bidding i think the angels are in the bidding i think there's probably at least five or six teams really that think that they can contend in the next 
three to five years and Cole might be the difference. So uh, it's not going to be cheap, whoever gets him. And I, uh, yeah, I'm going to be interested to see who that is. I think whoever gets him is going to overpay for him. And the, uh, on the Angels side of things, when you just, just talking baseball now, it's, it's because of the starting pitching they have, which is basically you have that young group that are there right now that mm-hmm. struggled this year. And things change in the offseason. Hopefully, you know, these guys will grow up some and they'll fix. There's no number one. There's really no number one right now in the Angels system that's healthy. Chris Rodriguez is our prospect who's been, we think, could become an ace down mm-hmm. the line, but he's been hurt. He's probably two years away, two and a half years away. So you have nobody coming for the Angels. So the, going out and getting, getting Garrett Cole makes a ton of sense for them because it gives them more time to develop within th- their next crop of pitchers. And really, that's any time they've been on a losing streak this year, you've needed that guy, the, the ace, the one who stops the bleeding. That's one of the yeah. key things that's important about the ace. And so I'm expecting them to go hard. I'm expecting them. I'd be stunned if the Angels at least don't go hard and, and really throw a bunch of money at them. We'll, we'll see, but. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think I think you're exactly right. And then. As you said, I, I mean, I'm just looking through the people that have made starts for the for the Angels this year, and while I don't see a, a distinct number one, I mean, Griffin Canning looked exciting for a young kid. I think he's definitely going to be around for a while. Andrew Heaney has, like, destroyed the Rangers a couple of times this year, so I know it's not necessarily been the case across the league, but there's, there's reason to be hopeful. Um, but I think you're right. If you could just get a, a Garrett Cole on the top of that, that would be that'd be uh, – pretty exciting for you guys and honestly i you know from the angel standpoint they've got to be getting a little bit antsy like yes we've got mike trout locked in for a while but are we just going to waste the best player of all time like and just never go try to win a world series with him like angels fans i'm sure have to be really frustrated but surely angels ownership surely angels angels ownership is aware of this and like guys we are trying right like they have to be trying don't they well, what we're seeing this is really this is really interesting because we've been really focusing this year in the podcast where we were a newer podcast, so we want to engage more, getting in Facebook groups, getting in Twitter conversations, and I haven't seen this much frustration in the Angels fan base for a long time. When they signed Billy Upler to be the GM, the two things we knew were going to happen: they weren't going to trade Trout unless they absolutely had to. They were going to they were going to do this they can to resign him, so they couldn't just do a full rebuild like an Astros rebuild. You have to do it slowly. Right. A five instead of it being a straight five years like the Astros, like the Astros did, it's going to be a five to seven year because it's going to, it's you you don't have the assets you got to build them over time. Angels fans knew that, but now we're at year five and you're thinking, man, Mike Trout's twenty eight, and right. there are some warning signs with him this year, mostly because I think he's been pressing more. He's he's. With the, all the lineup change, I think he's impressing more. He's trying to lift the ball out more. So you're seeing more home runs. You're seeing a little bit of a lower average. Getting him some help would be great. And people point to the fact, well, he still signed that contract, that 12-year extension, which means he has to believe this team's going somewhere or else you don't sign that extension. Mm. So what do you do? What's the team? To me, all the signs point to you're going to be – he will be wasted if they're not in there soon. All, yeah. With all the money coming off the books this year, all signs point to they're going to go hard this free agency. Yeah, that's now what will happen. I don't know, but that's what the signs point to. So, who all is coming off the books for the Angels this year? Is is Pujols finally done? No, he's got three years. I oh I gosh. think at some point, 
Well, oh my gosh, I'm looking through this right now. Holy cow! Yeah, you can look at the 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 actual ones coming out. One thing they did do that I know people have criticized Epler for was they went and signed Cahill and Allen and all those guys, and those contracts didn't work out. You know, Harvey didn't work out. They're all DFA now. Lacroix's gone, but all those contracts come off the books. A lot of contracts come off the books. Yeah, and they're going to have a ton of money available. They were already, I think, forty million or a little more below the luxury tax. So they are able this they're able this winter to go out there and spend their heads off, and they're yeah. going to have to I think to get Cole if they if they're going to get him, they're able to get you know I think they can go out there and get another pitcher as well a middling pitcher and maybe even a bat because that line has been so unsteady throughout the year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like is is Luis Rodrigo your second baseman of the future? I think so. I think at least yeah. for the next couple of years. His he's been up and down average wise. He's made some filling mistakes. I think those are all young young mistakes that mm-hmm. you know he that guys make coming to the big leagues the first time and they're, they're he they've moved him around between shortstop and second base. But you know I I I think what we've seen from him isn't even the cusp of like he's he's a base dealer and they've barely ran this year. And yeah. so there's there are things that this team can do to really utilize his skills more. And then you have Wilson coming up, I think, behind him. They drafted him this year. He'll be in there a couple of years. I think they'll want to moving him to second base, Wilson, and Renhifo will eventually have a shortstop. Now, they, they've been focused a lot in center, center middle, middle infielder, so we'll see. And uh, to flip it back to you, though, I mean, you guys have got, you have a really young group of guys coming up now. They've played well at times this year. How's things looking for the Rangers? Um, so yeah, a lot of the young guys have been really exciting. Um, so let's kind of go, let's see, position by position. Let's start with catcher. Jose Trevino has won two minor league gold gloves, but his bat has never been enough to push him into the big leagues. Um, so in the last month or so, they went ahead and took Isaiah Kiner-Falefa off of a full-time catcher duty. They're switching him back to, he's in AAA right now, playing mostly third base and shortstop. Uh, Trevino is the backup catcher, and they're just sort of letting him follow um, Jeff Mathis around and pick up some of the finer points of being a big league catcher. Uh, I think they want to see if he is going to be able to hit enough to be the guy next year and push Mathis to a backup role and kind of be the catcher of the future. Um, that is yet to be seen whether that will happen or not, but he is just from a from a guy that you like to have around the clubhouse standpoint, Trevino is above and beyond. I mean, just... Watching um, watching Brock Burke talk after his debut and just, it, it, yes, we were by Trevino's locker when it was happening, so he couldn't really just come over and get dressed, but he was sort of standing, you look around, you look in, in the back, and he's just standing, just beaming. Like, he's so happy for this guy that they played together in the minor leagues and just smiling ear to ear. Um, one of the radio guys recently had a um, some flooding in the house, in his house that wasn't covered by insurance. Trevino donated his um, players' weekend spikes to raise funds to donate to uh, to this radio guy. Like, just character-wise, through the roof. And so you really pull for the kid. But just, is he going to be able to hit? Who knows? Um, first base, Guzman, I think, took a, a step backwards this year. He's back in AAA as well. He's been raking at AAA. He'll be back up soon. A plus-plus defender at first base. But again, like he's got to get his... Got to get his bat back to at least where it was in 2018. Second base is the most fascinating one of them all because you've got Rugnet Odor struggling even somehow 
more in 2019 than he did in 2017 when he was historically bad. Um, and then you've got Nick Solak who got called up, uh, what he's been up like seven games, seven, eight games. He's hitting over 300 in those games. He's not a plus defender, but the kid's going to hit and he's right-handed, which the Rangers need. They've got a, a plus, like a surplus of left-handed bats. So it's going to be really interesting to see if Nick Solak supplants Rugnet Odor. And if so, what are the Rangers going to do with Odor? Because he's got three years left on his contract. Um, it's not a big enough contract that the Rangers couldn't eat it, but that would be a huge, huge disappointment because he was the first of that group of young guys to get an extension and has just, oof, it's been bad. Um, shortstop, I think Elvis Andrews has a couple of years left at least. He's tur- he just turned 31. He's got some time. Um, third base is interesting, and I think the Rangers would like for Danny Santana to fill that role next year. He has been a surprise this year. Um, has has really like he's he's possibly been the Rangers' best hitter this year, which is completely surprising um, after coming into camp on a minor league deal and didn't make the opening day roster. But he's just he's played everywhere. He's been huge at the plate, and so I think the Rangers want to see if he could maybe be that third baseman. If so, then they can take a step back and not have to worry about investing in Anthony Rendon, maybe at third base, mm-hmm. maybe not worry about investing in, would it be Josh Donaldson, which would be hilarious given the history between Donaldson and the Rangers. Um, so they could maybe not do that and put that money towards a pitcher, perhaps Garrett Cole. Right field is another interesting one um, because you've got Nomar Mazzara who has really struggled pretty mightily this year. Um, and, you know, Scott Heineman did really well in AAA this year. Maybe Heineman is the guy moving forward. Joey Gallo took a huge step forward this year. He has been injured. He's had, he had the oblique thing, had a broken hammock bone. Um, but I think he's maybe he's your right fielder in the future. Delino DeShields has come on a little bit in the second half. So maybe he slides back into that center field role, but I don't know how many chances he gets between now and when, say, Leody Tavares is ready. And then Willie Calhoun, who has just been absolutely crushing at the plate since he got his call up. I think his days in the minor leagues are mercifully finally done. And um, and there you go. I mean, I think we've pretty well covered it. I guess DH is probably going to be Chu unless they can move him. He's only got one year left on his deal, so perhaps that's a trade the Rangers could make. But, but yeah, a lot of young guys that are uh, exciting and then... You know, the, the pitchers I mentioned earlier, the relievers, Emmanuel Classe throws a 102-mile-an-hour cutter, so that's fun. Um, they've got a couple of other young guys that are that are on their way up in the bullpen. Um, uh, Demarcus Evans and Joe Barlow are the two guys that are have been making the most noise this year. So I think that's probably – I think it just ran down the 2020 roster just then. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's, it is fun to watch these young guys kind of come up and get some playing time and see what they can do at the big leagues. You know, it really does seem to me like the Rangers are on the cusp of turning the corner to seriously competing again. Yeah. I mean, and that, if for the Angels fans listening, that really has to, I think, get you going. Like, you know the Rangers are on the way. The Oakland's already good. Houston has, I think, have their, you know, a year or two left before they, have, they start coming back to the pack. If you're an Angels fan, I think you got to be going, okay, what is going on here? They, they have to make a decision how they want to compete because if yeah. not, they're going to get left behind real quick. Just two more questions for you. Tonight's matchup, Mike Miner, Andrew Heaney. You already mentioned how Heaney's been 
pretty successful at times against the Rangers. Mike Miner, the guy that I've watched his career and th- been thinking, how can he be so good sometimes? And sometimes he kind of just makes me shake my head. This year, very good. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you see first this matchup tonight and then also his future, Mike Miner's future with the Rangers? Um, so there was a lot of speculation that Miner would be traded at the deadline this year. And honestly, frankly, I'm surprised neither the Phillies nor the Yankees made a move and watching them since, like they certainly could have used to make a move. And so I, I kind of wonder if, um, I think it depends on how the Rangers see their 2020 season. If they see their 2020 season as just like the next step up, like, you know, they've been in elementary school with the rebuild. They're kind of in junior high now. If they see next year as like eighth, ninth grade, um, then they might trade minor to to try to pick up some more young, controllable uh, players who will be with them from 2021 and beyond. Um, if they think they're close, if they think that the playoffs are uh, eminent and that, that they you know, they've seen enough from these young guys to think that they can compete in 2020, then I think they keep him and let him and and Lance Lynn head up the rotation. So I think, um, you know, it's it's weird. We're watching this last month of the season looking at guys like Solak and Calhoun and Heineman and Burke. And I haven't even talked about Colby Allard, who the Rangers got from the Braves for Chris uh, Martin. Colby Allard's just 22. He's the youngest one of the bunch. And he's showed some flashes of of greatness too we're watching those guys and kind of thinking about 2020 but really what we're watching also is like are they going to pitch good enough to keep mike minor around next year and i think that is um i think i I could be wrong i mean there's a speculation on my on my part perhaps john daniels and crew see it completely differently but i just kind of get that feeling that they were they were listening enough there were enough rumors at the trade deadline this year that I just can't help but think that they would also listen this off season. And, you know, when the Garrett Cole sweepstakes happen and some team is in need of a, of a consolation prize, um, you know, if, if the Rangers don't think that 2020 is their year, I could absolutely see them dealing minor, but not necessarily for cheap, you know? I, so, so yeah, I think that that's probably where the, where his future lies in the matchup tonight, Heaney versus minor. How's that looking for you? Uh, ho- hopefully like a one nothing game that goes about <laughs> two hours and 20 minutes since it's on West Coast time. You want some uh, sleep. <laughs> I do. I do. I, so this, I had, I do the power rankings at the athletic every other week and just, mm-hmm. it's such a long, uh, arduous process that I was, I got to bed at like five thirty in the morning on Monday morning. So I'm, I'm still just kind of catching up and it's August. And so like, I remember when I first started doing this job, listening to the baseball writers, and it'd get to be the ninth inning, and it's a one-run game. And I'm like, oh, this is exciting. This is a great game. Like, wow, this is going to be a great gamer. I can't wait to write about this. And all the seasoned, grizzled veterans were like, just don't tie it up. They didn't care who won. It doesn't matter. Just end this game, please. Let me go home. I was like, wow, you guys are cranky. This sucks. Like, why would you want to be that way? So here I am in my uh, fourth year doing it. I'm like, I just hope it is a two-hour game. That's all. I'm just hoping <laughs> <laughs> it goes two hours. Um, not not because I don't care, but just because, like, it's August. I've watched about 100 and whatever base. What are we at? 130. I've probably watched 124 baseball games plus spring training this year. Um, I'm good. I'm good. I, this is my last road trip that I'm not on this year. So I will be after these two games, I will be at every game for the rest of the season. And, um, 
Yeah, you need uh, that break. But, you need that, that downtime. Yeah, yeah but, but more to the point of what I think you were probably intending for me to respond to. I, I do think both of these guys have played well. Um, Miner has been... He's had two really, really good starts in August. He had two consecutive games where he... Um, oh, how deep did he... Like, he won two one-to-nothing games in a row um, on the road in Cleveland and Milwaukee. A bit of a bump last start. So I think he has the the ability, obviously, to to make it a quick night for the Angels. But I think Heaney has the ability to do the same against the Rangers. So um, so now that I've said that, it's probably going to be 12-9. to 9, And that's that's how that's going to go. <laughs> that's how things have been. Well, I, I'll tell you what, though. I, I want, for different reasons, I want the same result. I want a one nothing 2-1 game because it tells me Heaney had a great day. Mm-hmm. The bullpen did not come in for very long. The pitching this year for the Angels has been so it's been so hard to digest. It's this is the worst pitching performance by an Angels starting five that I have seen in my life, honestly. And uh, so you want to see that kind of improvement. You want to see a kid like Heaney, who's had so many injuries over the years and who lost his best friend this year. You want to see him be successful and hopefully, yeah. you know, start moving forward in the next year. This is the last question for you. It, it, how do you really see this all panning out for the Rangers? I mean, if you had your ideal world, if you're covering this team, and you see how they're building, what really is their ceiling right now? Down the line. Um, I mean, I have a good imagination, so I could see Nomar Mazara finally finding it that he's been missing, and you know, being that MVP candidate that that um, Bill James said he was a couple of years ago hitting, you know, 330 with 35 home runs. And like, I think that's in there somewhere. I don't know that he's ever going to unlock it. If he does that, let's see, uh, Joey Gallo hits 60 home runs because the ball is tainted and he would have hit 40 anyway. Um, Let's see. Guzman figures out the bat. Rugnet Odor somehow figures it out. Nick Solak is like a left field DH and Willie Calhoun hits, you know, 330 with 25 home runs. So, um, and then all of the young starting pitchers work out to the best of their ability. Like that, that is absolutely best case scenario, right? That happens. I think the Rangers win like five World Series in a row. Um, worst case scenario, none of those guys figure it out and the rebuild. Uh, misfires and they have to start over and it's another five-year process and john daniels loses his job in the in the process and chris woodward's optimism slowly turns to ash and he's replaced before he gets a chance to fulfill his destiny and you know uh, more perpetual losing in arlington so both of those are on the table um what do i think will happen i think probably 65 percent of the good scenario like, I think it is positively trending. I think there are enough young pitchers in the system. And not just at, at AAA and AA. I think there are guys kind of... The Rangers have done a good job the last few years of restocking their system with, with talent. Um, so I think probably what happens is a lot of what has happened since John Daniels arrived. I think they go contend and then a short stretch of not contending. But really, they, I think Daniels philosophically hates the idea of going into a full... Uh, tank mode mm-hmm. and losing on purpose for five years and being terrible. That's never really been his style. It's always been kind of a quick turnaround. I mean, the Rangers made the playoffs in 2016 
and when you look at that roster, it's you know Mitch Moreland and Prince Fielder and Josh Hamilton was here that year. Um, Cole Hamels, you Darvish, like all of these people are gone. They've done a rebuild. The only one still here is Elvis Andrews and Joey Gallo, although he played like five games in 2016. Um, and Delino De So there are you know a couple, but mostly it's been a full rebuild since then. But the Rangers were they were bad in 17. They were bad in 18. And then this year they started off and surprised some people. And now we're already looking forward towards like they could be kind of good next year. So I think credit to him for for doing that without it being a long protracted process. Um, Love to see what he could do with the Mike Trout on the roster. Um, I don't mean that he should go to Anaheim. I mean that (laughs) Anaheim should just try to send send the uh mike trout away they could take a lot of pressure off of themselves by doing that and um if they need to just send otani along with him then so be it yeah that's not that's their core right there so that, you know that's not happening <laughs> all right so, you know what though one thing i did forget like otani is going to be pitching again next year so that should mm-hmm. help the rotation right like that's one yeah, huge step in the right direction he's done well in all the the testing that he's just started throwing breaking balls again. He's on schedule for everything. They're being very careful with him, but it's looking like it's looking like that's the case. And now also because he's getting pitching next year, that opens up the door for another hitter for them to sign possibly. And people aren't really talking about right now. Their folks are pitching. They should be, but they're probably going to need to get another hitter because that lineup is is good. But as we've seen, it's also uneven, which causes some great nights where they hit mm-hmm. and they knock the cover off the ball, and some nights they just are horrible to watch. So yeah. with him going back to pitching, he only hits like two or three times a week during and those situations. So it'll be uh, really interesting to see what they do going down the line in terms of this free agency period. Yeah, uh, and I'm just looking at their lineup. Like They do have three left-handed hitters in their lineup now, Calhoun, Otani, and Goodwin, right? Um but yeah, I mean, it's it's long been known that they're a big... The, the entire division, really, except for the Rangers, is pretty right-handed hitting heavy, right? So you've got the Astros with their glut of right-handed bats. The A's are fairly right-handed. All their best guys, Chapman, Chris Davis. I know Chris Davis is struggling this year, but like a lot of their best guys are right-handed. The Angels are right-handed. And then you've got <laughs> then you've got Texas. Mm-hmm. Weird in a... In a, uh, a division that features a lot of west coast teams that texas would be the one to lean left political joke um (laughs) but they i mean you know it's gallo mazara odor was supposed to be the next big thing like it's a bunch of of willie calhoun they've got a bunch of left-handed bats and it's like you kind of wonder if there's an interdivision trade just waiting to happen where teams sort of level out they just don't really want to help each other well i mean no they're not going to want to help each other of course but I think that does help the Rangers. They're going to be the outlier in the division. Like the other two teams or, or three teams can, they can prepare for each other pretty well. And then you got to change everything up to, to prepare for the Rangers. And that's a problem in terms of how you're, how do you structure your staff? Because the first goal has to be to win the division. You mm-hmm. got to be ready to beat these guys first. I could take it across the board of football, you know, because we're out here local, the Rams. In the NFC West, every team in that division did things to try and beat the Rams this offseason. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, every team in, in the AL West is going to try and do, do what the guy do to beat the Astros this offseason. And the Rangers, to me, the reason why I'm really high on them in the future is they are built 
to be that outlier. Like they're going to be a tough matchup for these other teams in the division, and it's going to happen real soon. Yeah. I think you said they they could be kind of good next year or something like that. I think really yeah. quickly they could be really good. A couple of things break their way, and we're going to be talking about Houston and Oakland and the Rangers all in it together. And I'm looking at the Angels going, okay, now what are you doing? Because you have the pieces to be great, but you better get to yeah. get to work real quick if you want to catch up. Yeah. And, I mean, what is the – like, I know. I know it's Moneyball or whatever, but, like, when you look at these teams and you look at where they are in their progress, you can look at the Astros. They're riding the high crest. The Rangers are on the come up. The – the Angels are, you can see what their struggles are, how they need to shed some dead weight and get some some youth in there. They're still a few years probably away from being great. The Mariners suck right now. Like, they're in the middle of their <laughs> bad, rebuild. Yeah. They're going to be bad for a while. But what, like, when you look at the A's, where are they in that process? They are, like, they exist outside time, just sort of spinning around, like, turning old garbage parts into a contender every year. And I... I don't mean that the players are garbage. I just mean as a metaphor, they're like picking up scraps. And like last year, they they had Edwin Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's they're just sort of taking these guys, and then as they're doing, you know, they do have a core of guys. Matt Chapman's really good. Um, looks like Mark Canna is going to be pretty good. Ramon Laureano, like they've got some guys, but like, how do they keep doing this? You know, the, that is really interesting because the Locked On Angels guy, Taylor Blake Ward, and a guy I've become friends with, and he and I just like to talk baseball. And I was really comparing how the Angels develop players right now because there are, if you look at how the Angels develop players, you're seeing guys move through the system, especially pitchers, pretty fast. Then they mm-hmm. get to, to AAA and the whole, you know, get to the major level and things are kind of just stopping. Mm-hmm. You compare it to an Oakland team that has never won a World Series under Moneyball, but they're almost always at least decent. Yeah. And I asked him about, you know, what, what, what's going on there, but he's, he, he really reminded me that around 2010, 2011, Oakland changed up their development system. And now what we're seeing is this development of players who weren't supposed to be great becoming great. In other words, mm-hmm. Oakland figured it out. They are figuring yeah. out how to develop players that to get the most out of them. How to and Matt Olson? I completely mm-hmm. forgot to mention. The Matt Olson is the one, is one of the guys he mentioned, and comparing him to our guy Matt Thice, and how where Matt Thice probably has a ceiling that could be higher, probably will only go to a certain point. And Matt Olson is basically the same player, but look what he's doing. And, right. and the to me, Oakland is like where I see the Rangers as being the team that is on the rise. Or they are a team that is really prepared to win. I see Houston as they've reached the top. They can probably maintain for a couple of years, but we're already starting to see them treading away prospects. And so their mm-hmm. their time's coming where they're going to have to start reloading or re- rebuilding, however you want to phrase it. But Oakland is a team that is steady, and they found a way to develop in the process of being steady. To me, Oakland is the real uh, powerhouse in the waiting in, in terms of long-term right now in the AOS. And these teams better figure out what they're doing and yeah. compete with that because they're developing players at a much better rate at a much at a higher quality rate and if Oakland had any funding behind them we're talking about year out year year out with them and you know I, I said that about them sort of turning scrap heaps into into a contender I'm looking over their roster now and like you know what you're right they do have some homegrown guys that are really starting to get there with and and will be good 
for years to come. Frankie Montas, Daniel mm-hmm. Minden, uh, AJ Puck just came up. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that are kind of, yeah, kind of making it a little. Ryan Dole, I think, has the ability to be really good. Um, this is they're doing some some special things up right there, and the Rangers. Well, everybody in that division needs to, even the Astros, they need to pay attention to what's going on in Oakland because if not, it could get ugly real quick in that division for everybody else. And that's why, to me, I look at the ALS and I look at the young talent on all these rosters. I look even at the Mariners who are rebuilding, and they're making the right moves, in my opinion, to begin a rebuild. The ALS, real quick, to me, could be one of the best divisions in baseball, and it could be for a long time if they do it right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I kind of think it almost already is i think a lot of these teams have beat up on each other a little bit this year um i i think it's already a pretty strong division because you look at so let's let's sort of if you're not in a hurry um let's look at these divisions so in in the east this year you've got toronto and baltimore who have both been baltimore's been abysmal toronto was really bad for the first half they've got some really good young exciting Mm -hmm. players they're going to be good soon but right now they're just they're not they're still losing a lot of games so you know new york and tampa bay and to a lesser extent boston have really benefited from playing those teams 19 times each you look at the central i mean the white Sox are finally starting to figure it out a little bit but the royals and and tigers are two of the worst teams in baseball so you know kudos to the twins for being as good as they are and winning as many games as they have there's just no excuse for Cleveland not going all in and trying to win 125 games this year. Um, but that's a that's a bad division. I mean, that is a garbage division. Well, the, yeah. and the NL East has the Marlins. They're awful. Uh, the Mets were awful for the first half of the year. Philadelphia hasn't been great lately. They should be great. That's a reasonably okay division. That's pretty good. The NL Central, that's... That's a pretty good division. Um, Pittsburgh it's very competitive. We could say that. It's yeah, it's very competitive. Pittsburgh's not great. Cincinnati's better than their record. Um, Milwaukee isn't as good as their record, but they've got a they've got an argument. The NL West: Colorado's bad. San Diego's bad. They're on the come up, but they're bad. Um, San Francisco, despite a good hot run there in the middle, they're bad. So, I mean, when you look at the West. The Astros are great. Oakland's pretty good. Texas was good for the first half. The Angels, I think, are better than their record. And then Seattle is just um, really, really bad. But that's already a pretty good division and only looking to get better, I think. Well, the Angels, too, you know, the pitching's been bad all year. So for them to have been above 500 entering August, to me, was a huge accomplishment for them, especially with what happened to Tyler Skaggs. So in my view, that team was probably going to be a 500 team when this year ended. Now they won't be. The the, the schedule is just too tough going through now at the end of the year. But they had that opportunity, and just things didn't break. Losing Tyler Skaggs, that to me, really mentally warped this team. They were able to make it through July and get to that hard spot, and they were done. I mean, I just watched the Houston game the other day, and you could just see it in their eyes in that eighth inning where everything fell apart. They're they're mentally done. They need the season needs to be over for the Angels, but the future's bright. So I'm looking forward to seeing this division just really make some huge strides it is time for us to go we always a great conversation with you one of my favorites again uh, to, to get on the horn with and talk baseball can you let folks know where they can find your work and especially this offseason where you're going to be 
Um, so it's it's easy to find me. Just go to theathletic.com. Um, if you go theathletic.com slash DFW, I think that is our uh, little re- regional vertical. Um, but I, you know anything about the Texas Rangers, you can generally find me on The Athletic. Um, on Twitter, I am there at 32EFAS, but you have to spell out all the numbers. So, you know, T-H-R-E-E. Etc. Etc. Ephus is with a PH. That's a very slow pitch. Um, and then this off season, I'll be doing you know a lot of the typical stuff that beat writers do, trying to drum up rumors and figure out who the team is going to sign. <laughs> but um, the, the nice thing about the Athletic is they kind of just let me look for other stuff that I want to do too. That's sort of loosely based on baseball. So. Um, Last year we were on vacation in New Mexico and I found a little town called Madrid, which is spelled like Madrid, but they pronounce it Madrid. Um, we're the first ballpark west of the Mississippi to have electric lights. Uh, still stands. It's been up since, I think, 1919 wow. or something like that. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm kind of looking forward to just sort of getting off the beaten path and seeing what I can find this offseason. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess any anywhere else... I am online is I'm not I'm not hard to find. Levi well, your podcast too, right? You got a podcast, right? Oh yeah, yeah. On, yeah on the podcast. We have a podcast which I'm recording later today, um, and I appreciate the fact that they let me get super weird on that for at least one <laughs> section per podcast. So, all right, um, folks. So there so yeah. you go. There's <laughs> I didn't know what to say of that. <laughs> yeah. So I they, I just that was my that was my one agreement. They're like, hey, um, we're thinking about doing podcast. Do you want to do one? And I'm like, not really. Like, I I'm not opposed to it, but it's not something. It's not a lifelong dream. And uh, so I thought about it. I'm like, okay, here's the deal. I will do a podcast, but you have to let me be as weird as possible. Like, just let me. You know, I, I kind of had to rein it in when I started writing for the Athletic. Like, I can't get super esoteric and and uh, like I just need one place where I can just get wild and they're like yeah go ahead so we open every episode with a sponsor and uh that's that's where i just get to let my hair down a little bit and uh they're not all good some of them are quite bad but it's fun (laughs) all right well thanks so much for coming on really appreciate it and again always great to talk baseball with you yeah yeah likewise uh thanks thanks for having me all right guys i have to be honest he's one of my favorite previews I've, I've said like four times because he's one of my favorite previews really good guy we'll have him back for our tour in the league in the offseason to get to catch up on their free agent signings in the meantime though reach out to us at talkinghalosgmail.com if you like what we're doing want to help keep the lights on here we could really appreciate a little bit of sponsorship you can also leave a voicemail 657-666-5453 and don't forget to follow us on twitter at talking halos you can find john he's not here today but at jake's Craig john you can find me at dc apollo it's time for us to go don't forget to subscribe for the entire Talking Halos team. This is Derek C. Paul saying, take it easy and have a great one. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before, but hospital grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. 
Find out more at wmata.com slash doing our part. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history still in the making? Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.